Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have back on Gabe Lett. He is a CPSM, an SMPS fellow, and a veteran of AEC marketing and business development. He has served three consulting engineering firms over a 17-year career. Welcome back, Gabe. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you today. So for those listeners who didn't catch our first episode together on basically what you've taken from your career as a counselor into AEC marketing. Could you recap how you got started in this industry? What's your story? Right. Yeah. So as you mentioned, I'm still a licensed professional counselor and licensed in the state of Missouri. And the short story is I was working in private practice as a counselor, but also doing some part-time marketing tasks for my dad's company. Now, my dad is a entrepreneurial civil engineer and started a civil engineering firm back in the late seventies. And so I was just kind of helping him with little part-time things here and there. But as 2008 rolled along, as we all know, there was a, a significant economic downturn. And so he and his management team felt like they needed more of a full-time presence for marketing and business development and asked if I would consider that career change. So I did, and I said, I'll give it a year. Uh, and see what I think. And if I like it, I'll stick with it. And if not, you know, no hard feelings, I'll go back to counseling. Well, that was in uh, 2008, 2009, and I haven't looked back. I've felt fallen in love with AEC marketing and business development. I still do some counseling on Friday afternoon just to keep myself sharp and keep my license active, but that's kind of my entry into the, into the profession. That's awesome. I love that story. <laughs> Even hearing it for the second time, it's still like, oh, that's very cool. <laughs> so since we spoke last, you have a book coming out. How did you decide to write this book? So this is one of those books that wrote itself. And I didn't know it was writing itself at the time I was writing it. And the reason for that is when I started at my current firm three years ago, I started a little campaign where I would send a Monday marketing tip through email to all of our client facing staff. So project managers and engineers, anybody who had any client facing responsibility. And pretty much every morning I would send these emails with little tips. Well, that kind of grew over time to be more than just marketing tips. It grew into project management, and just general professional development or writing tips. And so before I knew it, I had a pretty good catalog of emails with some pretty good tips and they weren't all mine. I borrowed content from other people as well. And then long story short, I had several colleagues and different folks from other firms who do marketing realize that this might be something worth publishing. And so I investigated that and realized, you know, there's probably a lot of content here that a lot of folks would really appreciate. So that's why I say the book kind of wrote itself and I didn't realize I was writing it until after the fact. So I've adapted a lot of those to be for more of a general audience and to include more than just engineering, which is what my firm does. But I think architects and even contractors would definitely benefit from the content in the book. Perfect. 
So that seems like a high level overview of the book. Who is the book for and what is the content centered around? Right. So I would think that this book would be particularly helpful for anybody who has a marketing or business development task or responsibility within your firm. So if you're in architecture, engineering, or contracting, construction work, I definitely feel like this would be extremely helpful for you. However, what's really nice about it is the, the original audience were civil engineers and electrical engineers in my firm. So obviously if you're an engineer, an architect or a contractor, there's definitely going to be some stuff in this book that would be helpful to you. And so it's centered around six primary chapters or topics, so to speak. So there's lessons in marketing, leadership, business development, project management, professional development, and then writing skills. And so all the lessons kind of concentrate under those six chapters. Perfect. So can we talk first about BD? What are your favorite tips or tricks from the book? All right. So on the, on the business development side, one that I like in particular is uh, a lesson called business development is served. And that has to do with how to conduct a really good business development lunch. So all of us in this industry at some point have, have gone out to eat with somebody that's either a prospect or a current client. And so I give some tips on, you know, how to do or how to conduct a really good business development lunch. And especially my original audience, the engineers, you know, they tend to get a little nervous about things like that. Sometimes they all of a sudden feel like this is a sales opportunity. And so they get their nervous salesman hat on. And so these tips are kind of helping them to avoid that sales type of experience. So it's just little stuff like showing up 10 or 15 minutes earlier than you scheduled the lunch so that your client or prospect isn't waiting for you, but you're there waiting for them, you know, going in armed with good research, knowing their organization, their history, where their role is in the company, or if they don't know, or if you don't know where their role is in the company, being prepared to ask about that, just showing genuine interest, you know, listening during the meal, learning how to listen well to what their organization's all about and what they're about. I think also it's really important to let the server know ahead of time that you intend on paying the ticket. Now, for a lot of us, that may not be possible if it's a government level client that may not be allowed to let us buy their lunch, but we need to know that ahead of time and make that plan. So you don't get that awkward who's paying for this lunch <laughs> situation in the middle of it. Oh, that's a good tip. I like that. So I also love that you put project management in here. What do you think makes successful project management? So this would be an interesting one because I think there's probably some people that would see me and my career history and wonder, well, why would he have anything to say about project management? Because, you know, as a marketer, we're not considered people who run projects, right? We're not technical experts, but some of the project management stuff that's in the book has a lot to do with the relationship you have with not just your client, not just the owner of the project, but all the relationships that you have to manage when you're executing a project. So that may involve, you know, the contractor, it may involve suppliers and vendors to the project. It may involve other stakeholders, you know, regulatory agencies. So one of my favorite tips from the book, one of the, my favorite lessons is called responsiveness, the secret marketing sauce. Mm -hmm. and 
the lesson has to do with something my dad did when I was still working for his company. And that is he asked all of his project managers to write a monthly letter to all of their active clients. So anybody who had an active project, just giving them a very simple explanation as to where they were, like in the project schedule, how much money had been spent in the budget, what could they expect for progress in the next month? Just a very simple little status report in this letter. And I remember the first couple of months he was having one of these meetings and one of the project managers had said that he hadn't sent a letter to several of his clients because there wasn't any activity on their projects for that month. And my dad in his very kind and, but yet direct way, you know, explained that's the reason why we're writing the letters. They need to know why there wasn't any activity on their project for that month. You know, we don't want it to leave them guessing as to why there was no activity. We want to explain to them before they wonder what was going on and why, you know, their, their project had no activity on it. So, and the whole idea behind it is well-informed clients have a peace of mind that you're thinking about their project and it, they feel important as a client, even if you haven't done anything for their project that month, if they get some kind of a status report and some explanation as to why, you know, it gives them a little more peace of mind, you know, and it's just stuff like that. Well-informed clients, you know, learn something about their projects and learn how it gets built, how it gets engineered when you give them regular feedback and that helps them be smarter and more informed and part of the process. So there's a lot of good reasons why we want to do that. Perfect. And, you know, one of the things you touched on this is why would a marketer include project management in any of their material? We are essentially project managers. We're just <laughs> managing a different type of project. Exactly. And I think also marketers, and you know this better than anyone, we're really people centric. So even in the actual sense of the phrase project management, we're very centered around people and our advice can sort of guide these things where your dad easily could have been a marketer telling, you know, your colleagues to do the same thing. So I'm really glad you put this in here because it's always, you know, pushed off to the side, but it's so important for marketers to understand. So. Right. And, and that was just one lesson under project management, but some other stuff under there that I think is very helpful is just how to collect good project data. Right. But what kind of data do marketers need in order to help, help their technical professionals get more work? There's a whole management of that data, the collection of it and the management of that data. And it's good for our technical people to know what that is, or even stuff like pricing tactics. Right. You might be surprised how much marketers know and understand how to price certain jobs. And so sometimes people don't think of marketers in that way, but, but we have quite a bit to offer. There's another lesson in here that having to do with value pricing versus a billable hour, you know, right. are you going to sell the value that you're providing to the client or are you just going to bill by the hour? Well, value pricing actually affords you the opportunity for better profit margins when it's appropriate. So right. there's some stuff in there like that, that I think can be very helpful to a pretty, pretty broad audience. Now, professional development is also another one of your categories, and it's an area that I personally feel gets left out of a lot of conversation and books in general. What's some advice you have there? Yeah. So my, I think my favorite lesson, and it's actually split up into two lessons. It's kind of a two part deal under professional development. 
but that just has to do with work habits. And I mean, this is good. <laughs> if anybody has a job, <laughs> right? it's yeah. good, good stuff. So some of those work habits are very simple things. And as I read these off, which is only a few of them, but as I, as I read these off, you'll realize that a lot of these really good work habits that are good internally are absolutely essential for good external work with your clients as well. So it's things like responsiveness. We've, we've kind of already talked a little bit about that, but just having some, I've, I've heard some companies have a rule that like, if you are contacted by a client or a prospect or a vendor or a stakeholder, that there's a rule for a 24 hour limit that if you exceed that 24 hours and haven't responded, that you're not doing well. Well, that's the same thing internally. You know, we serve a lot of internal clients as marketers right. and we need to be very responsive. Um, to things that are being requested. Even if we can't meet the deadline or can't meet the request, we at least need to be responsive to let them know when they should be able to expect or taking initiative. I've seen this one as a really big one, especially for beginning marketers. It's hard for them to take initiative. They may have a really good idea or they may have a better way that, of, of doing something, but they are afraid to take initiative to introduce that. And so a really good work habit is, is just to take that initiative. I mean, not all of your ideas are going to be um, accepted, but that's okay. The fact that you're taking initiative and trying to make your workplace a better place, your supervisors and your colleagues are going to appreciate that. I think things like timeliness, and this is hard as a marketer sometimes, because we just get swamped with deadlines and proposals that at some point you can't meet because there's just too many of them. And so understanding a little bit about you know, being timely with your deadlines, being timely with what you can and can't achieve, delegating work. I mean, this is huge. You don't, as marketers, you don't have to write every single word of the proposal, right? Delegate the work, you know, to, so that you're not caught doing it all. Communicating your process. That's one of my favorite ones. A good work habit is communicating the process, not always just the results. And so what I mean by that is letting others know where you're at in the process of delivering a task or delivering some requested information. Sometimes we know this as marketers, we'll ask for some data or some content for a proposal and there'll be a deadline and we don't hear anything from that person until the deadline is upon us. Right. Right. And then we wonder like, well, I wonder where they're at. I wonder if they got it done. I wonder if they remember, well, what helps? is when people communicate process, they tell you like, Hey, I know this is due next Monday. I'm working on it today and I shouldn't have any problem getting it to you. And then first thing Monday morning, we might get another email that says, Hey, I should have this done by 10 o'clock this morning. You know, it just, it's communicating process, which is such a valuable work habit. hundred percent. And I think even from our end, when you communicate what hinges on the deliverable that you're asking for from them, something as simple as, you know, a piece of data about a project, even just saying, here's where this lines up in my process, because it, it would seem so simple. But if, if they can see that a bunch of tasks depend on that piece that you're asking them for, they're probably a bit more willing to give it to you. So I really like that point. Right. I yeah. And that, that's, that's something, I mean, I, I, I realize now at this point in my career and where I'm working, the idea of communicating processes 
is almost could be a book in and of itself. Oh, yeah. Uh, yep. It's so critically <laughs> important at so many levels of how work gets done. I think a lot of people could benefit from understanding and practicing, you know, that communicating my process to other people. Yeah. So the last category that really caught my attention was the writing portion, which I think is probably the scariest for most marketers and engineers, whoever you talk to, writing is probably the scariest thing that they have to do. So what tips or tricks do you have for us here? So one of my favorite lessons, and, and I wish so badly I could um, take credit for this, but I can't. It's You've had uh, Matt Handel on your uh, podcast, and many in this audience would probably know who Matt is. But Matt wrote this wonderful piece uh, called Bug Dust. And I absolutely loved it. And bug dust is basically that the, the elements of a proposal or statement of qualifications that have no significant influence on whether you're going to win that job or not. And, and bug dust is stuff like, should we use contractions in the proposal? Is it too informal? At the end of the day, that matters not a whit to whether you're going to get selected or not. Right. Or, you know, do we need to write P? period E period for professional engineer, can we just write PE without the periods? It's irrelevant. It's bug dust. It doesn't matter. You know, these are the little, th or, you know, is there too much white space? Don't, don't we need to fill up the page, you know? And I'm sure folks that are listening to this episode are like pulling their hair out. Like, yeah, this is the stuff that I have to fight <laughs> with all the time. And it's bug dust. You're right. Which is actually a really more probably pleasant way of saying what, it, what we all really sure <laughs> <laughs> but you know not only not only do we need to avoid all that bug dust it just takes up so much time and energy that's unnecessary right. but really we need to know what the most important elements are and really make sure that we're spending and investing our time and resources so it's stuff like hitting your deadlines right. i mean meet your deadlines for content because then that affords you the opportunity for quality review and quality editing time. But when you're getting content the day of, you know, and trying to get it printed and out the door, that's when we make terrible mistakes and we don't have time to review those for quality. And so meeting your deadlines is so important. Writing great cover letters. I mean, I'd rather spend half my time making sure that that cover letter really hits the nail on the head than making sure every little project that we want to make sure is accurate on the resume because cover letters get read. They're the most often the most read piece in the entire proposal. Right. When nothing else is read, those cover letters are read. And then, and this is research and I've got a little bit of that research actually in the book, but I'm going to, I want to leave a teaser out there. So yes. <laughs> yep. I'm not going to give away everything, <laughs> but there's a little bit of research in the book about this. And that is, Focusing on budget and schedule still remains the two most important details to a client. Right. So how are you going to do this within their budget and how much time is it going to take and why? It, you know, focusing on those two things and how you can either save them money or save them time are some of the most important things that can go into a proposal. So challenging your technical professionals to really, if they're going to put the screws on anything, have them put the screws on their budget and schedule and see how much benefit they can really squeeze out of this project for the client. Right. Um, so it's just stuff like that. Like put the bug dust aside, focus on what's really going to matter in winning that project. 
And then when we spoke, you had a really neat word trick that I had never yeah. heard of that completely blew my mind. So I want to, I want to let you go over it. <laughs> so uh, everybody at some level probably works in Microsoft. You may not create, you know, proposals in Word. Hopefully you don't. There's so many other better tools out there, but you probably do a lot of writing in Word. And if you don't, I would recommend that you do because there's some really good tools for you to use to help you when it comes to text and content. So one of the things you can do is as you write in Word and, and once you have a finished product, you can hit your editing feature. So on your review tab, you hit review and then you hit editing. And it may not be checkmarked, but if it is, at the end of editing that for like grammar and spelling and all the stuff that we're used to using that editor for, a, a little box will pop up that will give you readability statistics on your content. And what those readability statistics cover is like the Flesh Kincaid Reading Ease score, which is a score between zero and a hundred with the higher the number, the easier it is for somebody to read that content. The lower the number, the more difficult it is for somebody to read that content. And it also gives a grade level. Now, if you don't get that when you're using editor, you'll have to go to your options in your, in your word software and forgive me because I don't have it pulled up right now, but I think you go into options and then you go into your editing or editor and there's a box in there that you can check for creating readability statistics and make sure that that box is checked. And once you do that, then you'll get all this great information. And what's helpful is I have a goal for our guys for reading ease number to be somewhere between 40 and 60 mm -hmm. and for our grade level to be no higher than 11, which is a junior in high school. Ideally, most people say you want to write to like a ninth grade level, but some of our technical expertise, just, you just can't get it down that low. Just, yeah. You know. But if you can keep it in that 10 to 11, which I think most documentation, most content that we do in a proposal could get to that level, that's our sweet spot. Perfect. I like that, giving your technical professionals a, a goal. So what do you want people to take away from this book? So as you know, I mentioned, this actually started out more like an email campaign, you know, to my technical guys. And it just got such good response. And, and when I don't send one out, which every once in a while, you know, other tasks in my job take precedence and I don't get a Monday marketing email sent out. I hear about it. <laughs> so, it's like, where's your email this week? We're looking forward to hearing what you have to say. And it's like, well, we don't have one this week. Well, why not? You know, so I think what the, the takeaway here is it's the, the title of the book is the AEC professionals guidebook, and it will be out on Amazon real shortly. In fact, during this conversation, we're just in the very final, final editing process. But by the time this airs, I think you could probably search it on Amazon and find it. It'll be both in Kindle and available for paperback, but it's about 150 pages, give or take, very accessible, 70 lessons. And you know, it's not a front to back cover type of read. This is going to be one of those books where you can look in your table of contents and just hit those areas that are of most interest to you, you know, cause it doesn't follow a progression. It's just a guidebook. So you can kind of access. And the other thing that's really nice about this, I think this would make a, a great gift if you're a marketer and you have like several technical professionals that you work with on a regular basis 
get it for them for Christmas and say, Hey, there's some good stuff in here that'll help us do our jobs better. So it's that, that kind of a book. So again, it's not for absolutely everybody, but I think if you're an engineer, an architect or a contract, and you have any client facing responsibilities or any marketing responsibilities whatsoever, I would say this will be a good pickup for you for your library. Even just as you're saying that, I'm thinking you've just given someone all the content for their own Monday marketing emails <laughs> for exactly. at least a year. <laughs> yeah, m milk it. You know, there's 70 lessons, so you could get through a year and a half every Monday. You know? Yep, yep. <laughs> all right, perfect. So if our listeners want to buy this book, I'm directing them to Amazon, to Kindle, anywhere else? For right now, it's just going to be through Amazon. I'll have to wait and see what kind of success it has to see if sure. there's any other opportunities to navigate there. But for now, I think the easiest, and most people are pretty used to buying books on Amazon, so it should yeah. be pretty easy. Yep, perfect. And then could you just repeat the title one more time? Yeah. So the title is The AEC Professionals Guidebook. And it's subtitled 70 Lessons to a Stronger Career. Love it. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me to talk about your book. This is very exciting. Oh, yeah. I've Man, it's been a lot of fun. It's cool when you've done something and you didn't realize you did it. Yeah, <laughs> Somebody yeah. else points it out <laughs> to you and they're like, you need to publish this. Like, oh, well, maybe so. There so I'm go. looking forward to it. I'm looking, what I'm really looking forward to probably more than anything is just having great conversations with colleagues over the content. You know, as people read the lessons and read the book, I'm really hopeful to hear from people because I think it sharpens all of us because I don't claim to have all the wisdom and knowledge for this industry. This is just, you know, one man's experience, right? Right. So hopefully this will generate some great discussion and conversation and, and help us all to do our jobs better. Well, if our listeners want to converse or discuss with you, should I direct them to your LinkedIn page? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is my favorite way to get in touch with people and awesome. uh, just easier to network with people that way. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Keelan. I loved it. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Gabe again all about his book, which you can pre-order through a link that I've left in the episode show notes. My understanding is that it will be on Amazon next week, December 8th, if you'd like to purchase it there. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.